Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Hello, and welcome to the Institute of World Politics 7th Annual Student Symposium. My name is Sebastian Smeorano. I am the current editor-in-chief of IWP's newest student publication, namely the journal Statecraft, and I will serve as your moderator for today's event. For those of you joining us for the first time, the Institute of World Politics is a graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs. We have five master's programs, um, 18 certificates of study, a doctoral program, and two new online master of arts programs. So if you're interested in learning more, we invite you to visit us at iwp.edu. So for this seventh annual uh, student symposium, four IWP students, Emily Miller, Caroline Hickey, Maria Calderoni, and Hannah Wilk, will be presenting research papers from their studies here. I'm especially happy uh, to get to moderate today's panel because each of tonight's speakers has had their research papers selected for this inaugural issue of the Statecraft Journal, which our phenomenal team of editors is preparing to launch at the end of this month. So if you're not on our IWP mailing list already, please make sure you sign up on our website so we can let you know when it is published. In closing, last but in absolutely not least, our final speaker for this event is Hannah Wilk, who is presenting on another uh, emerging non-state actor, uh, web emerging, it's been around for a while, but we're talking about it more and more, weaponizing rejection, incels as a domestic terrorist group within the violent non-state actor framework. Hannah works as an investigative analyst and is pursuing her master's degree at IWP. She is in the Statecraft National Security Affairs Program with a concentration in public diplomacy and strategic influence. In 2019, she received her bachelor's degree in criminology from George Mason University with a concentration in homeland security and a double minor in intelligence analysis and forensic psychology. In her free time, Hannah enjoys spending time with friends and family, baking, and trying out new brunch spots in the Washington, D.C. area, always up for accommodations. Hannah, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Sebastian. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much, everyone who is attending this event. I'm really excited to speak about my research. Um, Lindsay, I believe, has a PowerPoint that she's going to share. Yep, there it is. Um, so basically the title of my presentation is Weaponizing Rejection, Incels as a Domestic Terrorist Group Within the Violent Non-State Actor Framework. Um, so overall, I just have an introduction, um, an interest in terms of the role of the internet and social media as it pertains to, um, national security topics and, uh, basically just the recruitment and radicalization of groups using social media and online forums just because it's such an emerging threat. Um, and it's something that is definitely not going to, it's not going to expire. It's going to only increase with time. So it's something that we definitely need to grab a hold of and begin to understand within national security topics. Um, next slide, please. So the threat of incels to the United States. So the group is titled Involuntary Celibates. This can be abbreviated to incels. Um, and it's a, a group of people that have formed online and exist solely through social media platforms and communication forums. 
Um, so they share a sort of common ideology that's led to lone actor violence targeted against women specifically um, that's resulted in a total of 50 deaths overall. And this number is definitely um, not super high when you think of terrorist attacks as a whole, but when you think of the number of incel-inspired attacks as opposed to the amount of deaths per attack, it averages about eight, which is pretty high um, and is only going to increase with time. We've definitely seen a lot of attacks in the United States and also in Canada. Um, and I am defining these violent attacks by incel communities as an increasing domestic terrorism threat. Next slide, please. So foundation and ideology. So the insult community began as a website that was created in 1993 by a female student actually at Carleton University in Canada. Um, so from this beginning, she basically was hoping to create a forum in which lonely individuals could create communities, which obviously is still kind of a concept that we deal with today. There's dating websites and there's various different ways for people to connect online. Um, so obviously this started out as very humble beginnings, but it kind of transformed from this very innocent beginning to um, a community that's trans transformed into a popular culture that was very popular on Reddit as well as many other uh, networking channels. So by 2016, the Reddit incel community had 40,000 members um, but due to censorship issues and kind of the violent dialogue that was occurring, um, the communications moved from this Reddit sub forum all the way to the dark web, um, in addition to kind of moving to all these different networking websites. So it has mobilized into many different kinds of communications, but um, it kind of remains as a forum for lots of different individuals to connect. So the primary motivation of an incel-inspired attack is to target women who represent rejection of, that the men have suffered. So it's just an interesting idea to explore, basically um, understanding how each and every one of us has dealt with rejection in one way or another, whether that be through friendships or relationships. Um, but, you know, in most cases, we take that rejection or those difficult circumstances and we transform them into moving forward, getting into another relationship, making more friends, you know. But with some of these individuals, uh, specifically in this militant subgroup of incels, um, it's hard for them to move on from this rejection and heartbreak. So whether that be because of mental health issues or because of the fact that their rejection is just being amplified to the voices of many different people, it's really unknown. Um, but it is clear that this rejection has kind of become a center in their life and in their social interactions. Um, and so to explain a little bit, so incels define themselves as the betas, which basically means that they're these marginalized members of society and they're people that are having difficulties in relationships and are just being unfairly rejected. Um, and then they're being rejected by the Stacys, which is the term for the attractive females who are the ones that are rejecting the incels or the betas. Um, they're also seen as being very attractive and using this attractiveness to kind of be better in life and to, you know, succeed where the incels cannot. Um, and then also there's the chads, which is the last group. So these are seen as the attractive, sociable, popular men who are dating and being in relationships with the Stacys. Um, and they're also seen as reserving those beautiful women for themselves um, so that the incels are not able to have a chance at an interaction with them. Um, and like I stated before, 
there are many different kinds of subgroups of incels. So I'm not just talking about the incel community as a whole. I'm focusing in on this more militant version that is trying to get revenge in a violent way. Next slide, please. So some highlighted examples of incel attacks, both in the United States and Canada, um, are highlighted in this slide. So the first one is Elliot Roger. Um, this attack occurred on uh, May 23rd, 2014 by Elliot Roger. And this was in Isla Vista, California um, at his college. And there were six fatalities as a result of uh, this homicide. And it, as a result of these attacks, he also uh, beforehand released a 141-page manifesto that detailed kind of everything that had led up to that moment. So it started out with really just the beginning of his life and his birth, and then it moved all the way into um, some of the rejections that he had faced and some of the difficulties that he had had with relationships. Um, and one of the quotes was, he said, all I ever wanted was to love women. And so he really just detailed some of these rejections and how they led him to this violent act or series of violent acts. Um, and he also detailed throughout kind of what he was planning on doing with the attack, how he was planning on carrying out the homicides. And so it was very clear that this was very premeditated and was a result of being part of the incel community. Um, and I just want to note, these are only a couple instances. There have been like quite a few um, incel-inspired attacks in the United States and Canada, um, but these are just a couple that really stood out in terms of turning points and historical moments. Um, so the second one is Alex Manassin, who's on the top right of the screen. So Alex Manassin was the Toronto van killer, um, which I know personally, this is how I found out about the incel community and kind of this ties to domestic terrorism. Um, so Alex Manassin uh, ended up driving his van into a busy business district in Toronto, Canada, um, and he ended up killing 10 people and injuring 15 others. And out of those 10 that were killed, eight of them were women. Um, and so he was inspired by Elliot Roger, as we can see through this Facebook post, which says, uh, Private Recruit Manassin Infantry 00010, wishing to speak to Sergeant 4chan, please. The incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman, Elliot Roger. So this is a really good example of how this incel community is a threat because although these are lone actor attacks that are occurring, they're recurring in a result of the sort of martyrs that are being portrayed throughout the incel community. And Elliot Roger has served as kind of a figurehead for the community um, and also for multiple of these homicides. So it is very concerning. Um, and the third and final example of incel-inspired attacks was in Toronto, Canada. So there was a 17-year-old offender who can't be named because he was a minor at the time. Um, he, on February 24th, 2020, stabbed and killed a 24-year-old woman, um, and this was also in Toronto, Canada. So this was very concerning, and though it was a terrible occurrence, it did serve as a turning point in the Canadian legal history, which I'll talk about in a second. Next slide, please. So it's been a little bit difficult to place um, incels as a domestic terrorist threat, though I do believe they fit into this category. Uh, this research was actually derived from my violent non-state actor class with Professor Danis as well as Caroline. Um, and so basically 
the violent non-state actor framework is usually a little bit more strict with certain um, regulations for kind of what would lead a specific group to fit into one category or the other. So I definitely struggled a little bit when trying to uh, categorize it, but I do firmly believe that incels fit into this category. Um, like I said, it's a little difficult because some of the um, the elements are, for example, there's no funding, like I said before. So all of these attacks are lone actor attacks that are self-funded. Um, and also, like I said before, there's the incel, you know, umbrella of ideologies, but then there's some specific different variants throughout the incel community. So it's a little bit difficult to target one specific ideology. Um, but I do believe it can be defined as a domestic terrorist threat uh, due to the fact that there is a fairly central motive. So there is this feeling of rejection and this desire to kind of get revenge. Um, and there's these figureheads and kind of people that inspire future attacks, like I was talking about with Elliot Roger. Um, and also there's this desire to achieve a social objective, which for me was the, the highlight of why I really wanted to categorize incels as a domestic terrorist threat. So as you can see on the screen, um, I was using the FBI definition of terrorism. So where it says domestic terrorism, uh, they define it as violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences, such as those of a political, religious, social, racial, or environmental nature. So I think um, typically sometimes when we think of terrorist acts or terrorist groups or the motivations, we think more of sometimes a faith-based approach or many other factors. Um, but to have a social approach and to want to achieve a social motivation is where this is unique, but also does fit into the domestic terrorist perspective. Next slide, please. So the biggest question when dealing with incels is what should be the United States response? So of course here at IWP, we're dealing with, you know, um, very current issues that we're trying to have an approach towards to combat. Um, so this obviously is very difficult because, you know, local state and federal law enforcement officials have had difficulty with this. So the same for me, <laughs> I've definitely come into, um, encounters with these issues, but the first approach that I would recommend is to work to monitor social media for signs of potential violence. So as I mentioned in the beginning of my presentation, um, this is very difficult due to the fact that incels are used to mobilizing um, their communications to various different social networking platforms. And so it's very difficult in order to keep track of what's going on and to understand the kind of people that are a part of these groups, especially due to the fact that just with any sort of online interactions, anyone can hide behind, you know, a username or um, a profile picture, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the person that they're saying that they are. So it's, it's difficult because um, incels are used to trying to avoid censorship. And even, as I said before, with the Reddit community, um, they moved to the dark web because the original Reddit forum has been shut down due to vi uh, violent ideations. So I think that it is important to be aware of the role of social media and to continue to uh, monitor for signs of future violence, but that's only kind of one part of the solution. So the second solution would be to begin to create a deeper understanding of incels and analyze common trends within the community and shared characteristics. So um, an example that we see is Alex Manassin, sorry, excuse me, Alec Manassin. Um, he was the Toronto van killer and he actually was diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. 
Um, and I've also seen throughout my research that there have been some accounts of mental health and psychological disorders throughout some of the uh, perpetrators in this incel related violence. So I think it's important to kind of understand the mental health repercussions and to see that, for example, a breakup might be taken by one person as being upsetting, but then eventually will be moved on over time. Whereas some people that fall into the incel community might, for mental health or other reasons, take a breakup and see it as incredible rejection that is very difficult to overcome. So it's really important for us to understand that so that we're able to kind of act accordingly. Um, the third approach would be to create laws and address these attacks um, and begin to charge incel violence as domestic terrorism. So the reason why I highlighted the 17-year-old in Toronto um, who killed the 24-year-old woman was because this was actually a turning point in uh, Canada's legal history. So um, they took this attack and they charged it for the first time in Canadian history as the first terrorist case that was not linked to ISIS or Al-Qaeda. So this was very important and I think acts as a very important precedence for the United States due to the fact that um, Canada saw that this is a growing threat and they began to address it. And I think having legal implications and charging incel-related attacks as domestic terrorism will hopefully serve as a deterrent factor for individuals who are thinking about um, eventually committing acts of violence. And I just want to highlight at the bottom of the screen, um, there's an excerpt from the 2018 U.S. Country Reports on Terrorism. And though they didn't highlight incels as a terrorist threat, they did kind of consider it within this category. So they said um, there were several acts of violence that took place and raised concerns about potential terrorism. The events included an April 23rd van attack in Toronto that killed 10, injured 15, and whose perpetrator authorities believe was inspired by the incel movement. So I think this is a really important step in the right direction to kind of see that the United States is observing the incel-related attacks and seeing that it might, might eventually begin to fall into um, the terrorist category. So I think that it's important to look at Canada's response and then to also, um, you know, offer a response that's going to be accurate within the U.S. Uh, national security realm. Um, and I think the last approach would be to raise awareness in the community about online radicalization. So I think that this points to a bigger issue um, because though incels are a threat, and I do believe that the community and the misogynistic views that they preach will continue to be an issue uh, within U.S. national security and on a global level, but I think it also speaks to the fact that social media is going to continue to be a method of recruitment for various terrorist groups, um, like I said, in the U.S. and internationally, and just being aware of with you know friends and family and children that this is something that can easily be a trap and it's something that people can easily fall into with whatever vulnerability they may have, whether it's bullying or whether they've had a recent breakup or anything, any sort of loneliness that a person can feel can be exploited for this type of recruitment. Um, and so I think it's important for us to not only make the public aware of events like this, but to uh, point to the national security implications of these online communities that will only continue to grow with size and uh, the violence that they have been proving. And I think that it's an important uh, step in the next direction for the U.S. national security um, to be aware of these groups and to understand that they're a growing threat to the United States.
And that is my presentation. Does anyone have any questions? Thank you very much, Hannah. We do have a question and I, I'm four for four on hiding myself behind <laughs> the lens. Um, so uh, first question is, are such tactics uniquely Western phenomena or have there been noted incidents in countries outside the influence of Western culture that are inspired by this online community? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's definitely something that I didn't go too deeply into with my personal research, but I did note that in a lot of my research, there really is just a lot that's unknown, especially due to the fact that social media, like I said, there's the profiles don't necessarily match the actual people that are a part of it. So um, though these attacks have occurred in the United States and in Canada, um, it is definitely known that there's members of these communities that exist all throughout the world. So I don't know off the top of my head, documented cases, not in Western culture, but I do know that it's something that is prevalent, at least in membership. Yeah. Are you uh, another um, listener, viewer, uh, asks, you touched on the deplatforming of incels from platforms like Reddit, driving them deeper to the echo chambers on other platforms like 4chan, 8chan, Parler. Um, have you given any thought into how the U.S. should be targeting these people for de-radicalization without deplatforming them and sending them to sites that will further radicalize them? So I guess, if I may paraphrase, right, are, are we uh, chasing them from one place to another? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's definitely a major concern um, of state, local, and federal law enforcement officials, um, and also those in the academic community that are just starting to begin to research it. Um, I think that it's important for us to understand that the internet is just very tricky. It can be very useful in many ways, but I think as a whole, um, it's important to kind of like marrying together the two um, points that I talked about in terms of um, monitoring social media, but then also understanding the individual that's getting recruited. I think that if we can kind of combine those two and understand the deeper issues, like I said, there's some uh, mental health implications occasionally, and just addressing those. So for example, knowing uh, family members or friends that might be struggling with a specific situation, or you notice some red flags, maybe being able to address that on an individual level, um, while also obviously monitoring these sites, like the Reddit site that was shut down due to violence. So maybe allowing for there to be forums that have healthy discussions about these topics, but then monitoring to make sure that there's no extremist language being used or violent language being used or anything like that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and you know, you, you point to it several times in, in your paper and also in your presentation. Um, this is inextricably linked to some kind of reaction to um, a change in culture, right? If, if, this, was a, if, if this is a growing number, of individuals that are are behaving and thinking and and congregating in that way, uh, what what culturally is causing that? And the the link with national security, as as we kind of look into into you know the whole theme of the journal for us and why I liked your your paper so much for it, is that um, uh, you know national security uh, is everywhere, and it starts with the individuals and it starts uh, uh, with vulnerabilities that are local. And domestic and with it, I mean there's no other there's no other there have been others but certainly this time in history we are we are barraged with vulnerabilities that are being uh, um, exploited um, and this is this is one of them so I, I, I love the fact that this is going to be uh, a motivation hopefully right to 
to look at what what cultural drivers in our society um, are are creating an opportunity. Uh, not just the technology. Like, as you said, the technology is a tool. I always say, right? You can you can you know make cookies or or kill people. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, what uh, you know what are the cultural drivers or what are the cultural deficiencies? That are allowing for this to happen. So that I was, I was uh, excited when I read your paper, and so were, so was the entire editorial team, and we're very happy, <laughs> yeah, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank, Thank you, Sebastian. Sure. Um, so Emily, Caroline, Maria, Hannah, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, many thanks to all of you who tuned in on Zoom as well as on Facebook. And if you are interested in attending any other upcoming events that we have or supporting IWP or applying to one of our graduate programs and joining us here, uh, please do go to iwp.edu. Don't forget to get on the mailing list so that we can let you know about all the good stuff. For everyone at IWP, we wish you a great remainder of the week and look forward to seeing you the next time. Goodbye.